0: Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stop Ridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. In Daniel 3 and in these blue Bibles, that's gonna be on page 476. 476. When you get there, say oh yeah. Y'all are fast. All right. If you'll find the big number four and then back it up about a paragraph, we're going to actually start at the end of of the story from Scripture. And I'll explain why in a moment, but we'll read in verse 28. can save in this way. Would you bow your heads and just open up your uh, hands today? Father, we ask you to be with us today. We ask for your word to fill our very being. As we close out one year and take our steps into next year, God, we just ask that your word come alive for us today and that you you put back in our spirit that the same truths from the days these words were written are true for us today. In Jesus' precious and holy name, everybody said Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. I am very excited to share with you today uh, something that I feel God's put on my heart. But, you know, the reason I started at the end is sometimes you have to see the outcome. You know, it's like watching a movie where you where they kind of open up with the ending and then you go back and watch how all of it came to be. Like, you know what I mean? Does anybody else appreciate that? Like, I love knowing where we're going. And so I wanted to start with the end today uh, from the book of Daniel. And uh, I just wanted to kind of, if, if you will today, I want you to kind of go somewhere with me. Can we go somewhere together? Yeah. Well, I'm going to try that again because the, the more y'all respond, the faster I preach. Can we go somewhere together? Yeah. I, all right, and I promise I'm going to have y'all out of here by 6 p.m. All right, let's... Uh... <laughs> all right, all right. I just want to present this to you. I want you to go somewhere in your mind with me. Imagine, and, and look, before I even tell this, uh, set up this scenario, I want to go ahead and say we are about to move into a very politicized year. Everything's going to be crazy. Everybody's going to be fighting over this, that, and the other. Y'all know how it always gets. And so I want you to, to go to this place with me real quick. And just imagine that whoever the, the president is, you love them, no matter whether you do or don't. I just want you to imagine that because here's the scenario I want you to have in your mind is you get invited to Washington DC, our nation's capital. You get invited and uh, to, to this grand event, your hotel's covered, your meals are covered, like first class accommodations all the way, your flights covered, all of that, right? and the reason you've been invited and requested to be there is because every leader of any party in america is in agreement that the monument that's about to be unveiled is going to be so historic and great for our country and best of all you get to sit on the front row most of us would say yes all of us if we weren't lying would say yes i'll go right it's it's going to be this huge historic thing well What if we tweet that story a little bit and we say, okay, all of those great things are going to happen. You're going to get taken uh, to the Capitol. You're going to be in DC for this giant unveiling. But the catch is when the statue is unveiled, you have to bow before it and worship. Now, let's be honest. Most of us in here, I I got a feeling and those joining online uh, would say, well, I'm a Christian, so I wouldn't do that. I, I, I would refuse. Well, what if you were there with just a couple of friends and everybody bowed, but you and your couple of friends? Like, that peer pressure is real, y'all. Like, let's take it a step further. What if if you didn't bow, you were going to be killed on the spot? Okay, some of us still might think, okay. All right, now what if the people you love the most were going to be killed too because you didn't bow? You see... It's integrity is a funny thing, isn't it? It's easy to say what you would do when you don't have to do it. Like, I'll be honest. It's easy to say, well, God is good to him. Be the glory when everything is great. But it's not necessarily easy to do that when you actually, when your actions have to back that up because integrity is a funny thing. I have heard it said that if you have integrity, nothing else matters. If you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. That's what I've always heard. And if you're a fan like I am, I enjoyed uh, uh, reading the C.S. Lewis books, the Narnia books when I was a child. And uh, he actually is on record saying integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. And you might agree with that. But here's what I want to say. I think that if it's important, like it's easy for me to be well behaved when it's just me. But when I'm around a group of people that want to be poorly behaved, it's a lot harder to be well-behaved, right? So I would actually say that integrity, yes, of course, it's who you are when no one's watching, but it is also who you are when everyone is watching. Sometimes you got to go against what the crowd is doing. And, you know, I hear people say, like, well, you know, and I hear good, well meaning Christian folks say this all the time. Okay, I used to say it all the time. So I'm, I, I, look, I'm, I'm the first among those. But, you know, people will say, well, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I'm the only one that's ever said that. Y'all better repent. But it's easy to do that. Like, it's easy, it's easy to just say, well, look, I, I don't care what they think of me. But the truth is, Jesus said that the world will know we're his followers by how we love one another. So the example we set matters. So we, as Christians, have to care what people think. There's no way around it. There's no way around it. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to finish this quote for me. I want you to finish this quote. You've got to stand for something or you'll That's right. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. So what the title of today's message leading into that is it's a simple, simple uh, title, but standing with integrity. That's what we're going to talk about. And, you know, originally I had titled this message standing with integrity in 2024. But then I realized I didn't want to give everybody 24 hours to start doing it. So I just wanted to take that part off so we can start today. Sound good? Because I believe the way you end a year is what you're carrying into next. I don't think we should just, you know, anyway, y'all know the deal with resolutions and giving up by the first of next week. Y'all know all about that. Y'all know all about that. The, the gym owners love New Year's resolutions because everybody signs up and nobody shows up. It's the, it's the best. Anyway. All right, I'm going to get off of that. Uh, So standing with integrity, I want to take us back to the beginning of this story in the Scripture. Daniel 1, or Daniel chapter 3, verse 1 says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. I don't know if you've ever been to Dura, but if not, I'll tell you where it's at. It's about 60 miles south of Baghdad, Iraq. Okay, so that's in modern day. That's where they're located. Um, seeing giant statues be built and made out of gold was very common. As a matter of fact, they would kind of build up these Trojan horses, if you will, you know, it's a big wood frame. And then to make everybody think they were more wealthy than they were, (laughs) some things never change to make everybody think that they were more wealthy than they were, they would put gold plates all around it. So it looked like a giant solid golden statue. And they would carry these furnaces around from town to town, and that's where they would melt the gold. As a matter of fact, um, it's believed that this particular statue was after one of the Babylonian gods, who Nebuchadnezzar was named after. Now, I said integrity is a funny thing, but vanity is too. If this god was made, if this idol, this statue was made uh, in, in, in as a reflection of that god, it would also be a reflection of Nebuchadnezzar. Because their, their belief was that the king was God reincarnated. Nebuchadnezzar made a statue and told everybody they had to worship it. But he was also telling everybody they had to worship him. It was his image that he believed it was. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. I'm going to share with you three things that we have to do if we want to stand with integrity. And the first one is this. We have got to stand out. We got to stand out. We got to be a little different. So what does it mean to be a little different? Um, uh, Craig Rochelle wrote a great book years ago. He's a pastor out in Oklahoma, if you've never heard of him. But it's one of the first Christian books I really grabbed and just dug into. And I I do recommend it. It's a book called Weird, which is probably why I bought it. But it's a book called Weird. (laughs) Wasn't that funny? But it's a book called Weird. And the subtitle, you got to get this, is Because Normal Isn't Working Anymore. being weird because normal doesn't work anymore. Now, there was a a football game on yesterday that I'm pretty excited about, especially after Georgia Bulldogs last game. And so I was really excited. I'm sorry if there's some Florida State fans in here, but let's be honest, you saw it coming. So it, it was a great game. It was a great day to be a Georgia Bulldog fan. But let's talk about like how to stand out. I don't know if you've ever been to a Bulldogs game, but it is like a sea of red and black, as far as you can see. And imagine going in there wearing like a Florida Gator shirt. Like we all know that one person that would, right? But that's somebody standing out. That's somebody willing to be different. That's what that would look like. It's kind of like as a Christian, there are certain things I've just decided I'm not gonna do, right? I'm not gonna be part of that. And if you're a Christian today, chances are, I hope, there's a couple of things that you're just not willing to be part of that other people around you may do. Um, And, 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 you know, so we have to be willing to stand out. You know, life's not all about looking like everybody else and keeping up with the Joneses. Sometimes it's about being different and standing out. The scripture picks back up in verse 8. Some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue. That decree also states, as if he didn't know, because he wrote it, that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace, which is convenient because there was one right there. Thrown into a blazing furnace, but there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat, did, did, anybody else, did, did anybody else hear that when they were a kid? That's what, when I was a kid, kid's church, that's what it was. Uh, but Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. They were snitching. But they didn't get the, the stitches. All right. Um, so these three were willing to stand out. They were willing to be different, right? And here's the thing, you know, in most Bibles, it says this is the story of the three Hebrew boys. But the truth is they were somewhere between 15 and 20. Now, you know, the, the closer I get to 40, the more I do think that somebody between 15 and 20 can be classified as a boy. When I was 15 to 20, I thought I was grown. And so they were taking a stand. Now, here's some things I want to share with you about the furnace, because you, you, you might not really understand that. A better way to describe it was like a gold melting kiln. That may have just made it more difficult. Gold melting kiln, it's what you pour a bunch of gold into and melt it down so that you can turn it into something else. So it's very hot. And those things, remember I said the statues were everywhere, so those furnaces were everywhere. So it wasn't just like this crazy form of execution. It was convenient because there was always one nearby. Anytime these ceremonies were happening, that was available to the king. You know, punishment by, de- by death wasn't just convenient, like I said. Uh, in these furnaces, it was common. And Jeremiah chapter 29, we actually learned this same king, Nebuchadnezzar, was already known for doing this kind of thing. This wasn't new. This was something that they knew would happen going in. They often did it to things that they deemed as false prophets, specifically. In other words, You believe in a God that's different from this God that we all agree upon. So we're going to throw you into the furnace if you live a different way. Now, you know, as Christians, we all kind of want it. we, We would all just love it if everybody believed the way we want. But we're not throwing people in furnaces if they don't. This was very common in those days. And as crazy as it might sound, it's not that different today than it was back then. Like. As Christians, we're called to live in the world but not be the world. And by the world, I mean like what society says is okay, what, what TV and the news and everybody else says okay. Because how many of y'all know there's a lot of things that the world around you says is okay that God's word says is not? There's a lot of things. I mean, I have, families get divided over those kind of things, right? I mean, it's serious. People have, uh, people have been canceled, if you will, over taking a stand for what's in the Bible. I mean, it's a real thing. It's a real problem that we face in our world. It's a very real problem that we face in our world. And I could go on and just list this thing and this and this and this and all these things that the world tries to tell us is okay, but we all know what they are. If you've been in church longer than a minute, you know what they are, right? So we don't have to do that. But here's what I do wanna tell you. If you aren't the person that grew up in church or you've never been somebody who was a believer and a follower of Jesus, and you've never tried living your life his way and given control to him. You know, we saw so many people baptized today. So many people baptized today and each one of those people was taking a stand for their faith. Next service, we're gonna have a whole bunch more taking a stand for their faith. They're, they're standing out. They're willing to be different and say, I'm sorry. But just because uh, this person and this person and this person says this behavior is okay, I'm not cool with it. Like, I'm going to love you, but I'm not cool with it because God's word says it's not. Yes. Amen. Amen. And if you're here today and you, you're, you're ready to, to, to give your life to Christ, you're ready to try this whole Christian thing, I want you to know that there's a family seated all around you that's going to support and love you no matter how many people say you're crazy, no matter how many people say you're wrong. And if that's you today, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to be part of that family. There's a prayer inside the program. It's also digital if you're using the app or you're on our website. I just want to encourage you, if you pray that prayer today, here's what I would ask is there's a place on your connection card, both the paper and the digital, that says, I prayed the prayer to become a Christ follower. And here's why. We just want to send you some resources. And we want to pray for you so that you know you're not alone. Amen? Amen. Y'all got to listen faster because I'm preaching as fast as I can go. (laughs) All right. Second thing I want you to write down. Second thing I want you to write down is we have to stand up. Those three young men stood when everybody else bowed. We have to stand up. Verse 14 or 13 picks back up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? See, he was offended because the way Babylon would take over the cultures, uh, other nations back in those days, is they would take it over um, and, and assimilate the people. They wouldn't just go through and kill everybody. What they would do is they would take people of influence and put them in high positions in Babylon. So the fact that these three were even at this event and front and center like they were, the fact that they were there means they had been elevated to a high position. And the reason they would do that is like, how many people would agree with me that, if you can get, like, a handful of Christians to agree that something's okay, before long, you got a bunch of Christians that agree that stuff is okay. Right? You see, I've, I've heard it said that, that the church is called to be different than the world. Like, but, but I can't help but note, and, and listen, I'm not picking on any one church. I'm talking when I say church, I'm talking about Christians worldwide. What happens is sometimes we want we we want to be cool. We want to blend in. We want to get along with the people around us and hope that one day maybe they'll ask what we believe and we can talk to them about it. But the problem with that is sometimes we end up looking so much like the world that the world can't tell the difference. And when the world can't tell the difference, a lot of times the church can't either. And before long We have to have discussions and conversations around dinner table with our kids and our family members and our friends about, well, God's word said that, but I believe, blah. And before long, it's easy to give in. You see? Integrity, like I said at the beginning, it's a funny, funny thing. Most of us here know what it's like to be homesick from school. Most of us here would would say, yeah, I remember I was sick from school. Whether you were sick or not is between you and your mom and them, but but most of us stayed home from sick. We stayed home from school sick. Well, there was a seven-year-old boy named Casey Owens, and one day he stayed home with his mom sick from school. He, he, he wasn't feeling well, and he was laying on the couch. You know, he had the, the washcloth on his forehead, and he's watching his cartoons until, you know, I guess he fell asleep and would hopefully wake up feeling better. And little Casey at seven tells the story that his mom, he remembers like it was yesterday. His mom ran into the room on the phone, panicking, took the remote from him and, start, and changed the channel and just started weeping. Just started weeping. And he saw the pain he saw the pain in his mom, in, his eye, in her eyes, and he said, Mommy, what, what, what's wrong? Because he didn't understand what he was seeing on TV, and he said, Mommy, what's wrong? And she said, I'm really afraid that our country, that, that we're about to have war right here where we live. And he told her, he said, Mommy, when I grow up one day, I'm going to do something. I, I'm going to make sure you never have to be scared like that again. 10 years later, he sat in an army recruiter's office. And when the recruiter asked him, he said, son, I've never had somebody come in here as adamant as you are about joining the military. He said, what what is it? And he said, well, sir, 10 years ago, I was seven years old and I was homesick. It was September 1st, 2011 or 2001. He said, "In that day I made my mommy a promise that she would never have to be as afraid because I was going to grow up and be big and strong. And he said, I don't know if I'm big or strong, but I made that promise and I'm standing here today. A seven-year-old decided to take a stand for what he thought was the right thing. 10 years later, he did, 10 years later, he did. Verse 16, we see these three Hebrew boys in a similar situation. It says, they replied, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Get that. They're still being respectful in the face of death. They're still being respectful. They're still referring to the king as your majesty. But, and get this, this is probably the most important part of this whole story. They said, even if he doesn't. We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Facing death, they said, we believe our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going against his word. We believe that God can restore us, but even if he doesn't. You know, there's a song. Uh, about someone, uh, and I I don't remember the exact words, but the song, it's a Christian song. It was on the radio a lot. And they talked about, I'll praise him even if the healing doesn't come. Like, I don't know if you've heard that, but that's a powerful statement to say, listen, God can cure me of this. God can give me a better job. God can get me through this relational struggle. Uh, God can fix my marriage. God can, God can, God can, insert the blank. But even if he doesn't, I'm gonna trust him. Because like I said at the beginning, at the top, it is easy to trust when we don't have to trust. When everything is hunky-dory, it's great. When 2019 was rolling a long steamroll it was great, but then 2020 happened and it wasn't quite as easy, was it? And a lot of us are in those seasons where now is the time, tomorrow's not the time. Now is the time to take our stand we are moving into a season here as a church. It's something we do every January, and it's such a powerful time. We call it 21 days of prayer. During that time, people will fast. We'll have morning services, and you can get all the information in your program or on our website, but we'll have morning prayer together early in the morning. Um, But for the people that maybe you can't fast and You know, maybe you can't make it early in the morning. There's something you can be a part of. We are going to collectively read the Bible in 21 days. 21 days we're going to have, we will have had the entire Bible read. Here's how you can be a part of that. We're reading it here on campus. We're even going to have parking spaces out in the parking lot. You know, it's going to be corny, but churches do corny, so we're going to do it. It's going to be like Bible reading zone, whatever you want to say. Like, it's going to be out there. All you have to do to be a part of that is sign up and we will send you a few chapters to read over the course of that 21 days. And if you come to church on Sundays, you could do it on the way out or on the way in. It's not a super complicated thing, but we believe in giving God our very best first. And so we want to do that together. I want to invite you to be a part of putting God's word first in your next year. Amen. 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 Number three. So we've, we've stood out, we've stood up. Number three, we have to stand firm in faith. Amen. Stand firm in faith. Every time I, I said that as I was preparing for this message, I just imagine like those people on the news and the hurricane, you know, the ones like they're sharing, you know, there's 80 mile an hour winds and they're holding on to something. Like that's what I imagine standing firm because it's easy to stand firm right now. Nothing's trying to blow me away, nothing's trying to hurt me. But it's a lot harder to stand firm when we're faced with those adversities. Verse 19 says Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Now, this may come as a surprise to everybody here, but I am not a scientist. I know, I know. It surprised me too. But I am not a scientist. I'm not a, a, a fireologist or any of those things. I'm none of those things. But here's what I know. That if you were to take something hot enough to melt gold and heat it seven more times, based on gold's melting temperature, you would be a few thousand degrees hotter than the surface of the sun. So I'm not exactly sure if it was really that hot. But I know that whatever they did to heat it, they did it seven more times. So it got hot. Like maybe they put oil on it or, or, you know, maybe they went to the gas station and got the little bundle of firewood and put that on there. Whatever they did, they did it at least seven more times, okay? That's what they did. Seven more times. As a matter of fact, it was so hot. It was so hot when the guards opened up the furnace to throw in the boys. They all fell dead from the heat. Very hot. Very hot. Verse 24. Suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar said. He shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. God. I want to tell you, church, only three people went into that fire, and only three people walked out of that fire. But when it mattered the most, they were not alone. You know, I have often wondered, I have often wondered, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fire, did they see God in there helping them out? You never wonder, I, when I read the scripture, I try to read for what it doesn't say to. One thing I am certain of, we know that they said, even if he doesn't. So I feel pretty confident in saying that they didn't see him in the fire before they went in. And they went in anyway. They knew they were not going to be alone. You know. I debated on sharing this. Uh, I've I've talked a little bit about it recently, but you may not know. But earlier this year, I found myself in the furnace. It was bad. It was a rough time. Um, I I have an autoimmune condition that I thought I was cured of. Haven't been medicated. I've been in what they call remission. Um, Haven't had to see a doctor or have even a slightest symptom. For six straight years. Everything is good. The doctor told me I I don't think I'll ever have to see you again. Back this summer, um, it, it came back and it was bad. Now I didn't do anything to get thrown in the furnace, but nevertheless, I found myself in the furnace. There were there was 48 hours straight where I couldn't get up off the floor. Now, I do want to tell you I'm good now, but I got to tell you, at the time, I prayed more than once for God to just go ahead and take me because I didn't have anything left to fight with. One of the weeks I was home sick, uh, our worship team sang a song, and in the song, they're talking about trusting in God, and it says, he's been my fourth man in the fire time after time. Y'all, I felt those words like I'm feeling my hands clap right now. Like it was like a ton of bricks just hit me. You know, I had dealt with it in 2016, I had dealt with it in 2017, and I didn't think I was gonna have to deal with it anymore, but I didn't deal with it the first two times. I was in the fire, but I wasn't alone. Earlier this year, I wasn't alone either. I'm going to tell you after I I, I heard that song, like I had heard it several times before. It's not a brand new song, but it just hit me. Something inside me broke in the best possible way. And I realized I'm going through this, but I'm going to get through this. But even if I don't, God's got it under control. And I felt so convicted as a pastor, especially, I just, I felt so convicted because it's my job to tell people to have faith when they're going through hard stuff. I mean, I knew God was in control, but I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. You know, many of us, we're, we're in a place right now where, where we're praying for things. We're starting a new year and we want things to be different and we're believing that they will be. But are we willing to say, even if things aren't different, I'm still gonna praise him. Even if if that, that son or daughter that I'm praying for, five, six, seven, eight times a day to give their lives to Christ or to come back to him. But even if they don't, I'm gonna praise him. Because it is easy to say what you would do in the furnace until you're looking at the furnace. Like I look around and part of my ministry here is care. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the one that, that helps out when people are in need and people have a sickness or a death. And I can't tell you how many faces I've seen just panning across this room that know exactly what a furnace felt like this year. But he has been that fourth man every single time. And sometimes he might have been the second man because you were by yourself, but he was there every single time. We have got to put our trust in God if we ever want to stand with integrity. Because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. I want to read this one last passage, and I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to stand. I have a next step as well. Um, Actually, I'm going to go ahead and ask you guys to stand now. But I do have a next step that all of us, each one of us can take. I will stand with integrity. Verse 28. Coming back to where we began, then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God. And and by the way, this verse hits a little harder when you know the story. Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command. Now this is the king speaking. So he's saying they defied me. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. There is no other God who can rescue like this. No other God can rescue like that. That problem that you've been through this year, that problem that you're facing, that financial mountain you're trying to climb to get yourself out of a problem, uh, whatever it is, that that health report that you got from the doctor that you are so scared about right now, those kids you've been praying for, those grandkids you've been praying for, they might be in the furnace, but for a follower of Jesus, they are not in it alone. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, God, we love you. We thank you for every blessing you gave us this year. We thank you for the blessings that we thought were curses, Lord. We thank you that your plan is greater than ours. Your ways are greater than ours. God, we love you, and we are so grateful for each time after time that you have delivered us from that furnace. God, we are going into next year not knowing how many of them we're going to be faced with, and we are going to trust in you.